Doing well. Um, excited to uh, speak with my good friend uh, Chris Butera. He's the singer of Zamboni, and he's a regular face in the New York, New Jersey uh, metal scene. Why don't you, uh, while we're waiting for him to call in, why don't you tell us a little bit about Zamboni? Okay, well, Zamboni is this crossover thrash metal band. Um, it's they're, pretty uh, much the... Wait, the, 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 you there? Uh, yeah, they're more of a regional band, right? In New York, in the New York area? Yeah, New York, uh, North Jersey area. Like, I mean, the core of the band is the bassist, Chris. Okay. And he's also the singer. Right. And the other half, pretty much, is this guy, Rob Orr. He's the guitarist of mm-hmm. the band. And they have, pretty much right now, they're sticking with this drummer named Roger, I believe. Uh-huh. And they have a couple of demos out. Um, mostly people should know about Zamboni, not only just for like their music, but also because Chris Butera as well as Rob Orr, sometimes write uh, blogs about uh, what's going on in the uh, North Jersey and New York uh, music scene. Oh, okay. So they're pretty involved in the scene more than just in the band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Chris sometimes puts on shows. Um, mm-hmm. They've At Rob Orr's place, they put on two barbecues. This year and last year. And it's kind of like real old school. You remember like back in the 1980s, people would just have those backyard shows. You have a bunch of bands. There'd be like beer. There'd be like hot dogs, hamburgers, stuff like that. That's kind of like what they they? try and uh, put on at their uh, the uh, Thrash Bash barbecue events. Yeah, we got a DIY scene like that going on in Chicago too. I think... uh... A lot of that's spreading across the country, too. It looks like Chris just called in. Why don't we get him on the line here? And uh, you hey, go ahead and introduce him and let's talk to him. Hey, how you doing, Chris? Good. How are you guys? Good. Doing great. Glad you could call in, Chris. Well, I was yeah, booked, apparently, out. so I should, have, I should have had that idea. <laughs> Definitely. Now, um, shall we uh, jump right into the questions, or... Do you want to do a little bit of an introduction for yourself? Uh, I don't really care. It doesn't really matter to me. Uh, what would you, the viewer, like to like to uh, hear? Um, give me like a short, like maybe three or four sentence introduction on yourself. On me or on the band? Uh both. Uh, no pressure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Zamboni's been uh, this little project of mine that I did like three years ago. I just wanted to do like an old school kind of crossover thing and I met Rob at a creator concert I think and then it kind of just clicked from there and me personally I'm just a uh I'm like an aspiring music journalist I write for a couple of websites and you know I just try to be the right guy for local music it's been about six months since the events of the Blackthorn 51 club how much do you think has changed if anything I mean Six months ago, Ray Brutal, the singer of Scare, performed a song out of anger about his band and other local bands being cheated in the local music scene. For a few weeks, there was 
a fair amount of discussion and discourse about what happened as well as people imagining that something would really change in the local scene. What type of aftershocks do you feel like there is now, like six months after the events? Well, like a couple of days after that, I wrote that article up that one on Examiner. I got a lot of heat from uh, the guys who were the promoter of that show, who basically let everything got out of hand and, you know, screwed all these bands out of their money, probably. We're probably working with the uh, owner of the venue, and it pretty much kept getting spread like wildfire, and a lot of people shared it, a lot of people did this, and, you know, I thought that something was going to happen, and it didn't, but, well, it's sort of like, I thought that I might get sued for one thing or another, and I didn't, and, well, a couple of months later, it looks like it's really kind of done a little bit of damage, in a good way for, like, local bands, because they're not really doing too many shows anymore. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when um, we had Ray Brutal on, and he told us that entire story. And nobody from the other side contacted any of us to complain or to try and set it straight or anything. Well, because if they really cared enough about their reputation, they may have listened to it. But seeing as there doesn't seem to be some real direction, it might have been that way from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So if they really I'm sure, I feel like they would have found out a way to listen to this, and they probably would have actually done something. Right, right, exactly. Uh, now, Chris, it kind of confirms everything that everybody's saying about him. I would think. Yep. What did you learn about being a local musician about how to conduct business affairs with others in the industry after this? Well, I didn't really speak with anybody in the industry. I mean, it's just kind of as far as the local band thing. It's just. This is what you want to look for if you think that you're about to get screwed over by some promoter or something is going to happen to you or your music or you're just not going to get what you actually deserve for your talents. Can you explain some of the tells of a good promoter as well as a bad promoter? Well, a good promoter doesn't guarantee you anything and because it's just kind of, if you're there you're going to play, and it's like all really a big thank you, and you know, you're all doing it sorry, I lost my train of thought, it's just kind of been a rough Mm -hmm. night continue, though it's getting good sorry, uh where was I, help me get back on track for a minute Uh, we were talking about the tells of a good promoter as well as a bad one, and you were saying like the way to really look for a good promoter is you're all there together doing the right thing. You all want to get there for entertainment. You want to do it for the fans. You want to do it for the music. And they did right by doing their job at promoting. And they didn't ask you to, like, sell a bunch of tickets or make money for them or whatever it was. I mean, that's the tell of a good promoter, someone who's doing it for the cause and not doing it for themselves and actually put out the effort to get the show going. Whereas... The tells of a bad promoter is hearing two words, might and ticket. Meaning, what else two words? I'm sorry. Might and ticket, as in you might okay. get paid, or okay. you need to sell X tickets. Right. Okay, I got you. Because if you're a local musician, I mean, 
you know that they're not going to be doing their part because that's going to be your job to promote a show that you apparently now have to pay for when it made it, it was made to seem like somebody was doing you a favor. Now, can you tell me about your history with how you became a concert promoter for uh, some local shows? Well, I played in enough bands where we had to do pay-to-play tickets. And, you know, I thought that that was what it was because I was younger. And then when I got older, I didn't want to, I was not going to do any more pay-to-plays. Um, we did uh, we did one at the Blue Room at Zamboni, and that's the only one that we've ever done. And we are not doing any pay-to-plays ever again. Um, and we just kind of did it because, well, I was like, you know, why don't we just put on our own shows? Or just watching old thrash metal documentaries when Axis talks about doing backyard shows and barbecues because they got banned from said venue. So I said, why can't we just do that and book our own places and rent a place out and book the bands that we want to book and just see what happens. Right. How does that work? Do you do a lot of that? I don't do a lot of it, but I really mm-hmm. just do it when... Whenever I really can, I do it. Usually it's at the request of some other band that's coming through on a tour or they just want a specific date on the show. So it's kind of been coming to me a lot more lately than I've been just going and deciding to book a show. Mm-hmm. Well, when you say you're booking a place, I mean, are you booking like clubs or are they more like a, like a DIY spot? Um, right now it's been more like a DIY spot. Like I think I, I, think I might have to guarantee a lot. Um, I'm sorry? Do you ever see any problems with that? So far, I haven't really had any. Um, unless somebody wants to book it on the same day and they want to ask you if you want to move the show to another venue, but then they'll help you get the, but then they already know the venue, so it's not that bad. So that's the only minor issue that I've gotten into. Um, the only, the other ones that I could see is maybe, maybe you couldn't meet what your door expectations were, so a little bit more had to come out of pocket than planned. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if that, ha- if that happens, you have nobody to blame but yourself, so that's kind of how you start to learn to be a better promoter. Either you break even and you say, okay, i got to get more heads in the door, how am I going to do that? Or you go under and you're just like, okay, this is what I have to do better next time. So it's all about trial and error and, you know, just taking a risk. Oh, Chris, how many venues have you promoted concerts at? Um, It's just been two. It's just been two, three, if you want to count um, Rob's Garage for the barbecue. Uh, mm-hmm. One was at the Stanhope House, and the other one that I've done is at the Meat Locker. Now, how did you go about, like, uh, getting that connection so, like, maybe – People like maybe somewhere down the line they could figure out how to do that in their own city. I just went on Google. I went on Google, or I asked friends, "Where should I play? Um, what's a good venue? Who's a good guy to work with, and all that?" And they'll tell me a name. If it's a business name, I'll just Google it, or I'll Facebook it, or something. And they'll say, okay, this is how I can get in touch with them, because it should be on there. Then, you know, you just shoot an email, and then the rest kind of does itself. 
Right. It's super easy. I mean, if you really want to just put on a show with, like, all the bands that you want the show on with and not have to worry about any of this stuff, then all you have to do is just go on Google or just ask around and then on Google. Right. What are some of the goings-on with Samboni at the moment? Right now, there's really not too much. It's all kind of quiet since the Cancer Slug show two weeks ago. Uh, like, Rob and I are just kind of busy with school, and I guess Roger is also. So it's kind of whenever Rob's not going to be busy on a weekend, that will probably be the next time we start to go rehearse to start recording stuff for the album. So I really say we might not be doing much for like another month or something like that. What kind of strategy are you going to use on this upcoming album? Just to make it sound as old school and feely as possible. Like, I want everyone to know what we're feeling and when we go and record this thing. I want people to feel the raw nerves coming out. Like, I want people to listen to it and go, wow, this would have been a great album 20 years ago. And I would also... <laughs> be great if people could just say, wow, this was a great album 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about using um, tape to record with versus, like, Pro Tools? Using tapes? Uh, yeah, yeah, like reel-to-reel, like maybe 24-track. Oh, that would be awesome, but I feel like that would just cost way too much money now. But I, if I had to, if I had the time and I had the and I had to scratch the paper, I totally would try tape recording. Have you heard about anybody that you've known that's done tape recording? Because I mean, that's the way to get no. the analog sound of the 1980s. No, I don't. I don't know anybody that's tried that. The closest that has been has just been recording in analog, which is not real analog anyway. Tell me, like, about the Thrash Bash barbecue model. Like, what did you do this year compared to last year? Because I noticed, like, this year was a lot stronger in presence and everything else. Like, you, you guys really put on a much better show this year than last year. Well, thank you. Um, I guess the I guess the first year was just trial. You know, the models really have a simple idea. Do it as simple as it seems in your head. And then, if it's really good, first time it was really, we did a little, we did, we did a lot of, like, digital promotion. We didn't do any flyering. Mm -hmm. And also, their um, weather had to do with a big factor of it, because the first time it rained, and it, um, it rained to a point where it was flooded in one area of New Jersey. So, that was a big factor. Also, I guess just, you know... Having the predecessor help this year have a better turnout, too, because we were like, this is the second one. We did this last year, and it was cool, and maybe people heard about it over the year. Well, and I think we would get the better, uh, the better response as far as digital promoting or actual uh, flyering. Which, which actual flyering. Actual flyering. Oh yeah, there. You can you, you can put a you can put an event on Facebook and pay to promote it all you want, but if 
people don't pay attention to the little scroller on the side. It doesn't matter how many people saw it. It doesn't matter how well you did on the promotion. You want to actually go, if you go to a show and you print out flyers and you put the work in right after, you just hand them out to everybody at the show, more people are going to be able to think about whether or not they're going to go to it, mostly because they know about it. Because it's like, oh, okay, this is right in front of my face. Now I know that this is happening. Uh-huh. Whereas okay. it's yeah, off to the side where you could see it or you couldn't see it. Neil, is it pretty much like that in Chicago? Yeah, I'd say it's about the same. I mean, and, uh, we've got your regular clubs, and we've got promoters that book in clubs that are really good people to work with. There's a couple of clubs that if you want to play there, you know, uh, you're going to have to sell X amount of tickets to get on the bill. Um, that kind of sucks, but it's it's there. Then there's the DIY spots, too. see a lot of Facebook promoting, but... Uh, I would say it's probably more flyers to it at the shows. Neil, like back in the day, like how did people go about making like a good flyer to promote a DIY show? Uh, well, a lot of it, I remember a lot of old flyers were cut and paste literally, you know, with scissors and paste and, and uh, onto a plain paper to get the to get the main flyer, then you would just take it down to a print shop and have it Xeroxed off. And, and yeah, it didn't, I mean, it would look pretty much like it sounds, you know, but it, it, it gets your point across. Do you feel like those types of flyers work better than just using, like, say, MS Word or something like that? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I, I guess if you're using a program like Word, you could um, you're doing about the same thing really. Yeah, it really depends you know, on how much color would be out. in the digital copy and if you're going to print it out in black and white. Mm-hmm. And then how that's, good are you at the computer too? Yeah. I've seen some people make really awesome flyers on the computer and some not so good. You know, it just depends on your computer skills too. Yeah. Mine aren't so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on the topic of uh, the Thrash Bash Barbecue, what what types of things have you and uh, Rob been thinking about for next year? Uh, we haven't really talked too much about next year, besides who we'd like to start, besides who we'd like to try to book. Um, but not really too much of a model difference. We haven't really even begun to think about the rest of about what we're gonna do. It's really just been who we're gonna try to book and. Let's see if we can get a bigger crowd next year. Planning the same site? More than likely. I mean, it's pretty big, and we don't have to pay for any permits or anything like that. And it's pretty secluded, too. So that always helps from noise complaints. Would you say, like, there's good spots for, like, doing what you do, like, in, um, say, South Jersey, too? I'm sure there are. I mean, we could really just, you could do a show anywhere. But, I mean, in, like, another barbecue spot, yeah, we could probably find somebody somewhere. It would be cool if we did, like, a full tour of just barbecues in people's backyards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it could Have be you ever heard of anybody? That would, be, that, that would be awesome. That would be, like, the peak of independent musicianship, as far as I'm concerned. If you can just find backyards to just play garage barbecue shows in for your whole tour. Just as long as you don't have to pay for food. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, 
you just like eat whatever food was at the barbecue. I mean, think about oh, it. Eating hot hopefully. dogs and hamburgers every day is very healthy for you. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be a long tour. <laughs> shows like that here, too. You know, touring acts, and they'll end up playing somebody's apartment or somebody's backyard. Well, we've got a club, you know, that's kind of a, a DIY club. That you can uh, you can get booked in there. A lot of bands get booked in there. And it's a fun place to play. It's real low budget, real low key. Chris, what type of equipment do bands need to put on a DIY show? Just a basic PA system and your gear. <laughs> Just, like, it doesn't have to be tremendous equipment or anything like that. Just as long as it's loud enough for, like, a, you know, smaller crowd. Mm-hmm. That's usually the way to go. Because, I mean, if the venue is going to be that small anyway, if there's going to be a venue, if not the barbecue show, you don't really need your amp to be that loud. So I'd say just a basic PA system. Where's a good place yeah, to I get it? When I, was, uh, uh, when I was saying earlier about problems at shows like that, I meant more uh, with the crowd, you know? I mean, it's kind of do-it-yourself. There's not a lot of security. There's not a lot of people checking IDs. I've never seen any problems here in Chicago, though. Everything seems to be really cool. Also, where do you go about, like, finding a good PA system to put on, like, a backyard show? I don't know. Uh, I guess really just any Sam Ash or anything like that. They'll probably sell it. Or if you could go to some kind of uh, audio store, like like a speaker store or something like that, they'll probably get you up with something good. I don't know, because I didn't chip in for the PA that was just like a present that Rob's dad got him for Christmas or something like that. That's pretty much um, all the questions we got. Neil, um, you have anything more to say? No, no, I think that's pretty informative. Definitely. Um, from From a promoter standpoint, yeah, I mean, you'll learn, you'll pretty much learn, like, what you're doing if you should, if you put on any shows. It's one of those right. try and try again bit. Uh-huh. And it's That's not so hard. Tough. Any any local band can do this. Anybody can do this. Even if you need to get the other bands to just chip in to help run the space, all of you will mm-hmm. benefit, and none of you are going to be mad for any reason at the end of the night. All right, yeah, and then you can set up a table and we sell their merch. Yep. That's a good time. And you That's could, a good part. Yeah. Right? Exactly. You just need to know what you're... You just need to have a basic model and then talk it out with other people who want to do it, and you could do too. It's not a, it's not a hard thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, Chris. It was a lot of fun having you on. It was, uh, no problem. It's been a pleasure, me. guys. All right. You take care. Definitely. Until the next again. time. All right. Take it easy. All right. Anything you uh, want to wrap up with? I'd say tonight's show was really tight. I liked how everything came out in a very informative way. Um, There were a lot of good lessons that people could learn from, um, especially Mm -hmm. the younger type crew, like the teenagers and early 20-something crowd. I mean, all sorts of different things on uh, models on what people should be doing. Right, right. 
Yeah, it's definitely good too to learn about the scenes going on. And I would uh I would encourage anybody listening to to phone in or get a hold of me or Japan Nick. You can also um like my Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Neil Winnell's Metal Mouth and let us know about the scene in your area. And and uh what about you, Nick? Where can they find you? Well, I'm on Facebook at Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. And I got my own website at www.japannick.com. That's J-A-P-A-N-N-I-C-K.com. All right, great. Then, yeah, you get a hold of Nick or get a hold of myself, and uh, and we'll have you on. We can talk about the scene in your city, what's going on across the country or even across the world. Huh? Definitely. All right, well, it was a great time, Nick. Until next time, you keep it metal. Peace. Muted.